0: In that scene where I'm really hot, my hair is everywhere, I've got a a, a life jacket on and I just look pissed off and angry, I have been in the heat for three hours being screamed at by this guy, just found out that he's been arrested and convicted of assault and they've got me standing on a fucking ant's nest.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Psycho Cinematic, a podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular films and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fornasia. If you love our podcast and want to give us some support, make sure you're following Psycho-Cinematic Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And check out our website, psychocinematicpodcast.com. For access to special bonus content, episodes, early access, stickers, and contribute to our regular fundraisers, join our Patreon. Starting from $3.50 a month, you can be the coolest Psycho-Cinematic listener there is. Please note this episode contains discussions of suicide, self-harm, bullying and domestic violence. If this episode brings up anything for you, Lifeline is available on 13 1114 and 1800RESPECT on 1800 737 732. But feel free to skip this one if you would prefer. Welcome back, Cinemaniacs, if that's a thing. We've had a lovely break with lots of family time, but I'm really happy to be back with you today. We're starting the year off with a little bit of a different gear with our first couple of episodes. I'm actually delving into the world of reality TV. This is a bit of a scary space to be in because, of course, real life people are involved in real life TV. But my purpose in covering this is really looking at reality TV as a whole and what the things it covers and the things it portrays says about the topics that we care about on this podcast, rather than focusing on the individual people themselves who star on these shows. Which leads me to my first episode. I'm absolutely privileged to have had the chance to talk to Claire Verall, who starred in season two of Married at First Sight. If you followed me on Instagram, you'll know that I have a bit of a vendetta against this show and I've covered it on my stories episode by episode last year. In preparation for this year's season, which by now has already started, I chatted to Claire about her experiences on the show, why the show is problematic, how it manages mental health and affects the mental health of the people on the show, and really what it says about reality TV as a whole. If you're watching the current season of Married at First Sight, or MAFs as it's called, it might change your perspective on whether to watch it or even how you view it. Make sure you're following Psycho Cinematic on Instagram or TikTok to see my real recaps of what we see on the show, which you might decide to watch instead. Who knows? Thank you again, Claire, for being on the show and being very open and vulnerable with us. And thank you, audience, for listening. Just a reminder of the content warnings and feel free to tune out if anything is too much for you. Enjoy. She
0: was devastated. She's such a great person. So I thought she'd really just passed now, but she was a beautiful little dog.
1: My first question is introduce yourself and what you do. And what what I love about you and particularly internet presence is um, fostering dogs and encouraging people to adopt, not shop and and the beautiful relationship you have with your animals, which is gorgeous.
0: Yeah. So I grew up on a farm. Um, I've always been around animals my whole life. Um, I've been vegetarian since I was five. Um, I'm the only vegetarian in my family. Um, When I was five, I announced I was going to be vegetarian. My mum obviously thought this will last a week. Haha. You showed her. Yeah, she had to cook me separate meals until I was 18. Yeah, so I. I've been, I haven't eaten most, like I've never eaten a steak ever. Like anything you eat after five, I've just never tried. Um, And yeah, animals have just always been a huge part of my life. When I was 20, um, you know, I just moved out of home. Everyone's going and traveling and doing all these random things. I went to get a car with a friend and I found a Great Dane that was tied up on a giant chain in her own feces and she was just bones uh, in this house. And because I was a 20-year-old obnoxious loser uh, with no fear or understanding of the world, I went and knocked on his door and this guy answered, with a just a wife-beater shirt on, a tinny at ten AM, fag hanging out of his mouth, and he said, "I said that dog, <laughs> terrible condition. I'm going to the on you." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to let that bitch die. Like I wish my ex-wife would. It's her dog. I'm oh, killing Jesus it Christ. it's in, in my possession." And I said, "Well, I'm going to get you arrested," and because I was such a brat. And he's like, "Well, you can have her if you want her." And I said, "I'll buy her off you." So I bought her for a oh um, dollar he wrote the signed contract on the back of a receipt and that's how I got my first great day in Holly and I had her through all of my 20s. She was oh, wow. my first rescue of my own and my big love. And from there, that's when I started doing animal rescue. So it's been 20 years now that I've been doing rescue and it's Amazing. just it's just my passion. I love it. So I actually used to be a vet nurse as well and um, back when I was doing vet nursing and everything, I also am a qualified um, dog behaviorist and trainer. Mm,
1: so, awesome. um
0: Using I've used all of that all the time while I've brought in foster dogs because we take in dogs that have a lot of behavioural issues, so the really mm. tough ones that are usually going to be put down. Like if you anyone who follows me on Instagram knows that I have Hodor, my 75-kilo Mastiff as well. Also gorgeous. Yeah, well, it is over. <laughs> he was about to be put down. Um, he had two hours for me to come get him because he was in queue to be put down. Um, he's very, very, very dog aggressive. Um, mm. and he's now just beautiful little mush bug, so mm. I love him to pieces. Of all the dogs I foster fail with, I foster fail with the biggest, Julius, grossest dog ever.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like like what I'm drawn to in psychology is, is the kids that have have had a really tough life and exert that through behavior. And yeah. they're often the kids that the schools don't know what to do with, parents don't know what to, or carers don't know what to do with. And they're the kids that really I get the most out of supporting and giving them that relationship that they're missing so that they can feel comfortable and feel safe and actually um, you know, have a better sense of yeah. well-being and stuff and I think it's the same with, it's, with it's pets amazing. as well
0: yeah it's amazing the dogs we have that come into foster care it takes them a couple of weeks to decompress and then like they won't play they'll be scared they don't know what to do and then just watching them grow and flourish is just it makes my heart sing yeah. so it's just the most wonderful feeling and people say how do you foster and then get rid of them I'm like you just love them with a bit of different part of your heart you mm-hmm. love them so much that you, all you want to do is find them so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how it is. It's just, I've had fosters that I've had for 18 months because they needed so much work. I had a great day in foster that bit a cop and a grandmother um, oh, wow. <laughs> and we spent a long time working with them. It's perfect and beautiful. So, yeah, I, it's it's very special and very rewarding. That's wonderful.
1: I'll just also start, which I should have done early on, um, by paying respects to the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast today, uh, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, which is where I'm on, uh, and respect the elders' Past, present, and emerging. Um, I wish to acknowledge that I'm recording this podcast on stolen land, and that this is always, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. So, um, apart from your journey with dog fostering, um, and also the fact that you went on married at first night, what else would you like to tell us about yourself, Claire?
0: Well, um, I'm just kind of a normal person. I'm, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've had Joss through my life. Um, I did well at school, and I've had a pretty great career in, um, first of all, real estate, and then moving into recruitment, where I've been really successful, and I really enjoy that as well, um, and sales. Uh, so that's really been my main passion. I've, um, I've only really had one big relationship in my life. Um, there was a serious relationship, which was uh, funnily enough, I met him as my housemate, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we were together for six years, uh, but then we ended up breaking up right about when I was about. 30. So um, yeah, I've been single now for pretty much nine years, dated a few people on and off, but nothing too serious. I've learned to be on my own and very happy on my own, to be honest, and doing my own things. So someone has to be pretty incredible now to come in and <laughs> mess with my happy vibes. So yeah, I've, I've um, obviously had some real peaks and troughs in my life. I'm pretty resilient and everything that I've gone through, because the maths thing is, is one thing, but I've had a lot of other traumas go on in my earlier life as well, um, has because I've done so much work on myself now, um, I'm able to really cope with those things so much better than I could before. And because I've done so much therapy as well, when COVID hit, I became the person that all my friends came to, and they started experiencing some real mental health issues for the first time. Because I knew everything to say. They're like, "Oh, this is much better than paying for a, a psychologist." I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, "I'm." left wing (laughs) very much uh, very have big social conscience and big on social justice issues and last year I was diagnosed with ADHD which um, put my whole life into um, perspective a bit and Mm -hmm. autism level one that was very interesting because I've always been very blunt (laughs) and um, a little black and white like I'd be like I could see what the issue was I'd be like this is a problem I don't understand, sometimes the grey. So, yeah, it's been a very interesting year.
1: Had you always sort of thought there was a diagnosis in there and did it take you a long time to get that? Well,
0: um, I had these issues but I've always pushed myself really hard. I just thought I was just lazy because what would happen is I overwhelm myself and I just completely shut down and because I grew up at a farm, you do your work and you get up at 4.30 and you do it. And if you don't do that, you're lazy. So all through my childhood years, I was told that I was lazy and I just need to concentrate. I just need to make an effort. So I would just beat myself up so much about that. So, yeah, I just thought I'm lazy, I'm useless, I'm this, I just keep getting things wrong, et cetera, et cetera. I have this potential that I'm not living up to because I'm lazy. And then, yeah, it sort of went progressed and everything was just always so difficult and i'm pretty switched on so i'd always get to the same point that everyone else did in usually the same amount of time but instead of doing a straight line from point a to point b i was doing a whole bunch of weird squiggly squirrels. so i had no idea that it could be adhd i was medicated for anxiety because i had incredibly bad anxiety and then antidepressants as well because i would get depressed at times or i just we just get so overwhelmed that i just couldn't get out of bed and none of that medication really ever helped hmm. i took the edge off but it didn't really help and then um, I went to a new psychologist, and um, this fantastic Polish man. When I first met him, I was like, oh, "This isn't going to be a right match." But he's brilliant. He's like blunt to <laughs> point. He's brilliant. He calls me back in when I go on my tangents. He's great. Sometimes you need that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you can tell. Uh, he said to me, me "Concession," because I'm always jiggling and moving, and like I'm sitting here now. I've got um, a little popper that I'm playing with. He said to me. Uh, do you has anyone have said to you, you show a lot of symptoms of ADHD? And I said, no, I don't. ADHD is for naughty little boys that can't have red cordial. What are you talking about? That's not me. And I got really pissed off at him. I'm like, this psychologist is probably just useless. <laughs> and then he kept going and kept going about it. And he's like, get on a wait list. They're really long. I'm like, fine. Uh, so that's probably four months after that, I went on a wait list, um, which was nine months long. And in that time, I went on, of all places, TikTok <laughs> and started watching some of those videos. And I was like, oh, wait. But I didn't diagnose myself on TikTok. I was just like, "Oh wait." So I just sort of got, "Oh maybe this is actually me." When every single point, because everyone says everyone's a bit ADHD and they have a degree, but that's sort of like saying everyone goes to the bathroom. That's true. Mm-hmm. You're going to the bathroom seventy eight times a day. That's a problem. Yeah. So that's yeah, what exactly. was like for ADHD. So um, then I had met with a psychiatrist, which is so expensive and such a long, drawn-out process. It's the most un-ADHD friendly process. Oh my gosh, yeah. don't like want you to get diagnosed. Like I almost feel if you make it to the end to get diagnosed, you probably have the mildest form of ADHD because you stuck through got through there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also incredibly expensive. It was about three grand, So mm. very mm. expensive. So and we had to send all your school reports and everything like that and submit them as well. So my 71 yeah, year old yep. mother's up in the attic trying to ruffle through to find my year four reports, which is hilarious um it was funny when we read back over those as well it was so obvious like they said mm-hmm. things to me like you just when you're in meetings if you're bored you just get up and walk out I'm like no that is so rude I would never do that and then we <laughs> went floor, the and they were like when she's not engaged in the material Claire will just get up walk out of the classroom and can be found in the garden talking to butterflies <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like oh
1: <laughs> you mentioned that you did quite well at school so even though you and you got through and I know that girls often, like because my sister has ADHD, she did fine at school. There was no real concerns, but things like that could happen from time to time. So yes. it's harder to pick up in girls for, for a lot of reasons. Like they're good at masking and, and they right. sort of fly under the radar a little bit.
0: Exactly. So I'm very much the stereotype at the moment. I was 38 when I was diagnosed, which is the exact... General age that women are getting diagnosed now, and it's annoying because obviously a lot of people after the pandemic, women uh, when everyone's structure went out the window, that's disaster for ADHD yes, people. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely, and also people with autism as well. Like um depending on their sort of
0: type, exactly, that's right. So it annoys me that everyone's like, "Oh, it's a fad." Every celebrity, it's not at all. It's just that it's finally being de- diagnosed so um yeah got that started on medication was quite scared to start, start the medication because yeah, I've never done really hard drugs or anything in my life because I'm a massive nerd and it's like okay what if I take this and I'm a fraud and I don't really have it and then I just like run around my apartment and clean everything or go crazy or whatever people do on speed or whatever this crap is and um I took my first dose and I wasn't even feeling anxious in my opinion and my anxiety levels just was just here I was just cool and then my anxiety just, like, just went to here. And I was like, wait, what? Turned out my baseline was really high and everyone else was just down here the whole time. It just mm. disappeared, like mm. gone. And then I fell asleep. So I was like, oh, definitely have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm medicated, it's completely changed my life, absolutely changed my life. That's wonderful. So, um, yeah, so if, if you do have, suspect that you have ADHD, go. it is tough. Go through it. Get tested because if you do, the medication is honestly – life-changing
1: yeah yeah I really hope that now that there's a lot more awareness of ADHD we see the process be a little easier to get through because it makes such a difference to finally have that diagnosis and be able to get what works for you and be able to make accommodations I guess it's very validating too you're not lazy you weren't lazy you just worked in a different way from everyone else yeah
0: so um I mean I know how because I've been spent my whole life coming up with different ways to work around it and masking and stuff like that it's actually really helpful so for example i have complete time blindness so i have alarms set up everything i'm extremely organized extremely organized at the point of overcompensating for it so people don't really notice so I'm always on time for example so people are like you can't have ADHD you're always on time I have 15 minute block alarms for everything I need to do leading up to that appointment to be there exactly on time mm. that's how I am yeah a lot of work goes into that which people don't realize
1: definitely it must be exhausting <laughs> Yeah, I just always thought
0: that I thought everyone did that <laughs> yeah it's been it's been amazing
1: Thank you for sharing that experience, because like as you are probably aware, we're we're very focused on mental illness and disability. So, yeah, you know, today we're talking about married at first sight, but it's also really good to um, share everyone's experiences of of those kind of things. So, thank you for that. So, what led to you signing up to married at first sight in the first place? Well, it's actually interesting. So,
0: um, I just broken up with my long term partner, um, so I actually signed up for season one before it had even come to air so the way that we signed up was i was at the pub at a sunday session with eight of my best girlfriends um we were very 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 drunk i was young and i could do these things on a sunday night now i would die um and we got handed a flyer for a new dating show and they were all like you're single you should do it and then after a few more tequila shots we're like i really should do it and i went back to we all went back to my apartment and we all felt like all eight of us well nine of us filled in the application all of us filled in different bits for me. So it was a very interesting person that was kind of created in that thing. And to look, back then, to be honest, I'd sort of, because I come out of this breakup, I turned to exercise and I was in kind of, uh, I was like a bit of a gym cult, to be honest. It was, it was a cult. Looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was a cult. So I was training like two hours a day. I looked amazing. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, what else? All right, give it a go. And we signed up for the show. And then the next morning, um, not knowing what it was, the next morning I went to work. Um, was dying at my desk at 9 a.m. because um, we'd been out till 3. And, uh, um, and I get this phone call and I pick it up. And they're like, hi, it's Blah Blah here from Endemol Shine. Um, we wanted to chat to you about your application. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs>
1: What application? No idea what they were talking about. Um,
0: and then he's like, we've got this, and then I was like, bits and pieces of it came back. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but then I just kind of wanted to see what would happen. So I went through the whole process. It was um, you meet with production, then you meet with – you do group uh, interviews at first and then you do one-on-ones and you just get cut down and cut down and cut down. And eventually they came back to me and they said, um, we've got a match for you and we want you on the show. And I was like, oh, crap, I didn't actually want to do it. <laughs> I wanted to see how far I would get. So I was like, no, nah, I'm going to a friend's wedding in Mexico, so nah, cheers, but thanks. And uh, I said, I don't, I don't know what it is. And they're saying – then that's when they told me it was married at first sight and I'm like, that sounds extreme. No. So I left and went over overseas instead the funny thing about that is uh, a male an ex-boyfriend of mine uh, who I'd only been with for a few months and loved I love into pieces we're still very close friends I saw him on the weekend actually it turned out I saw him at a party and he's like oh I I'd signed up for this reality show it was a married at first sight thing he's like but the girl I was matched with uh left and went overseas so um I got called oh from the god. show oh <laughs> my god I would have been asked so anyway and then so so I watched season one and it's back then it was actually quite a social experiment it wasn't contrived and overdone like it was now the psychologists were called psychologists back then because they are actually qualified psychologists um and I was like okay this actually looks interesting one of the couples ended up staying together and having a baby they've it's broken up so they called me back for season two and they're like if you consider it we'd love to have you and that time, I went through. I was basically sped through the process. I think I met with production twice, and they were like, "Yeah, we want you. We want you back on the show." Called me up. We said we've got a perfect match for you. Six months prior to that, I had been walking my dog on the street, my little Dutchy dog, and I live in I lived in Paran then. And this person jumped out, and attacked me on the street. Oh, um, fuck. Yeah, he pulled me so like I jumped out from behind the bushes. It wasn't even dark behind the um, bins at this p- apartment complex, dragged me behind the apartment complex, say it was going to kill me, punched me in the oh, face, broke my nose. But I'd just been teaching um, uh, self-defense to property managers like that week. So it was all like fresh in my mind. So I managed to kick him in the nuts and get him on the ground. And then I broke my toe, kicking him in the kidneys. And then oh I ran for my life. And I don't remember anything from the moment I picked up my dog and ran. I don't remember anything for two weeks.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: I ran straight, across the main freeway, which they have um, CCTV off. I just ran straight not all the cars so oh yeah and then um the police came i was on every news channel i was apparently the
1: happiest victim ever i have no memory of it no memory of it. you're in some sort of like dissociation experience yeah
0: so i had quite bad ptsd and i was quite scared of men um to be honest so when they said we'll put you on the show we're psychologists we're going to match you with a perfect safe person because they do all these tests like we had to do extensive psychological testing i said obviously with what i'd just been through i would like to do additional testing around um, anxiety, depression, and PTSD, please. And they said, yep, no problem. I did those additional tests. They didn't ever give me the results. They just called me and said, no, no, you're absolutely fine to go on to the show.
1: Did they give you any rationale as to why they thought you're absolutely fine to go on the show? No, that's all they said. My psychologist has definitely given me a cream light. you're
0: completely fine to go into the show. And then uh, two days before we started filming, I saw a new psychologist through um, the criminal support things that they give you for when you've been in, like that. And um, she did a basic, I think it was about 12 question PTSD test. And I was 11 of the 12. I had extremely bad PTSD. So they just outright lied to me on that yeah. on that front.
1: And did, did they give anyone else sort of screening questions to see if they can cope with being on the show at all? But, or did you just specifically request those from what you know?
0: I specifically requested those, but they do quite extensive psychological testing. But what it's more about, Working out what your weaknesses are and how they can manipulate you—really more than anything else—it's not about trying to actually find who you are for a perfect match. It's finding out how they can work and manipulate you
1: to so, create drama on the show. That's
0: that's how that's how it's done. So it's not it's not to help you make the perfect matches literally so they can manipulate you and know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and the things that they can jab you at that are going to make you fall apart
1: do they give you much indication of what to expect on the show like what you were going to be signing up for
0: no during that process they really don't and look I was, I was pretty stupid I'll be honest I was very naive because um, people say now you know what you're signing up for um, I didn't uh, and I think even when I mean, you think you know you don't it's kind of, and I, I find this is obviously a stretch, but when everyone says, oh, they knew what they were getting into, they deserve it, you don't understand how intense it is. To me, in some ways, and this is a stretch and a reach, it's almost as like saying she was wearing a short skirt, she deserves it.
1: No, I, I don't think that's a reach at all. It's very yeah, yeah. victim-blaming, yeah. It's very victim-blaming.
0: And look, we all know now there's certain things, but you don't know how dark it is. It's so, so much worse than you think.
1: So can you, I guess, in as many words as you want to give, can you sort of summarise how it went with you on the show, like how, how the process went for you?
0: So the show was a disaster for me. Um, basically what happened was um, the perfect partner they matched me up with, uh, Nine had approached because one of the guys at Channel Nine played football against this guy and he was known for having a completely explosive temper. Um, so they approached him to, to about the show. Um, part of the contracts we signed say you can't have any – illegal, like if they've been convicted of anything, it's criminal records, all that kind of stuff. Uh, turned out, and he, he told me this himself when we were on the honeymoon and the, he had told them, they were completely aware, he'd been arrested and convicted of assault. Jesus Christ. And had to do court audit anger management. He also had two ABOs out against him from his ex-girlfriend.
1: At the time? At the time. Oh, wow, wow. Which
0: um, they were also aware of. So they set me up, compl- they set us both up. He's Yay! also a victim here because he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what was happening either. We were both naive. thought it could be a great way to him to to meet his perfect wife as well they completely set both of us up to to make great tv and implode and fail
1: so do you think he went through the same process as you or they they just go no you're you're coming in because you know we owe you a favor
0: no no he went through the same process as me did the testing and all that kind of stuff they just approached him rather than him having eight drunk friends apply for him (laughs)
1: Yeah. so when you first met and like from the beginning it looks like you quite like the the partner that was matched to you. Were, were they genuine? You, you genuinely thought that he seemed like a good guy initially.
0: Well, um, I'm demisexual, which I I didn't know the word the term for that back then, but I do now. Um, so I when they kept asking me what do you, what, what would the person look like, I'm like I don't know it's not I I honestly don't care what someone looks like it is about who they are and their soul and energy and how they are so I always give people a go so um yeah that so when he was like she's not what I ordered and then like what they would ask me and he got set up with that because they asked me the the same question um yeah so when I
1: can I just interrupt can you just explain to our listeners what demisexual means
0: Asexual is basically it's, it's um, part of the spectrum of, of asexuality. So what it really means for me is I'm attracted to people's personality and who they are rather than um, attraction and looks. Um, I'm not someone who's super sexual and wants to, like, just grab people and have sex with them in a club like that. I've never understood that. I thought everyone was just making that up and it was movies were just being overdramatic. I thought everyone was just lying to me. Turns out it was me. That was, <laughs> <it> was <laughs> um, Which makes dating apps a complete nightmare <laughs> because yeah, – yeah. I can't tell, and um, so it's it's a bit tricky. But, um, yeah, it just means I'm attracted to the person for who they are, which is probably why all my exes, including my long-term ex-boyfriend who was a housemate I'd known him for a month beforehand, all my ex-boyfriends were friends and uh, they became more. I've never dated a random and stayed with them. That's just never happened. <laughs> They're always someone I'm comfortable with at yep, first. Yep.
1: In essence, then, the concept of married at first sight would have been very Strange for someone who is demisexual for that reason, I guess.
0: Well, kind of because I'm not based on looks. It just was, I was just not going to be on the person if it was going to be matching me with the right person. But um unfortunately, with Jono, we could not have been more different. He's a really lovely guy. And I don't say these things as in a bad thing for everyone, but I just mean as a match for me. He has no interest in social justice or what's going on in the world or news or anything sort of beyond his bubble, whereas I'm very interested in that kind of stuff. I do a bit of activism work and, like, that kind of thing is very important to me. Um, he's very much someone who is just a down-to-earth Aussie bloke, plays footy with his mates, wants to get married, a good sheila have a couple of kids, come home, have a tinny, that kind of guy. And I work on a farm. I have, I know a billion of those guys. They're, they're great people, a lot
1: of them, but they're just not the, the person for me. Yeah, not the person you want to spend your life with. No, no it is one challenges to be a bit more than that. Um. So when did it start to seem like this wasn't such a safe person for you?
0: It was fine at the wedding. We had a good time. We all got very drunk. My friends were, my friends were drinking. They bought their own booze. Okay, I'm making my sounds like friends sound like alcoholics. We had a stage we were younger then. It was, a um, it was a wedding. well. They brought their own booze because it was going to be a couple of hours of waiting. So, but the t- by the time we did the wedding, they were absolutely hammered. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was hilarious, but ridiculous. And we had to do walking down the aisle, everything like that. You have to do it over, and over, and over again. Yeah, so, oh and because they were all drunk, they were yelling, and it was, it was the production was just like, "Shut up!" It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but the wedding was the wedding was great. We had a, a really good time. Um, we drank all drank too much. Um, just went too late. We finished at like three o'clock in the morning, and yeah. we had to get up at five to go to oh the Northern God. Territory. Yeah. So at that stage, we were still having fun. Um, I woke up in the morning and saw he had a Southern Cross tattoo on his neck, and I'm like, that's not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah then we went off on our honeymoon to the northern territory because he didn't have a passport so we didn't get to go overseas like everyone else did and that's when everything sort of really started to fall apart that's where the constant tantrums um he would get very frustrated with production which is understandable because it was a very frustrating situation and so I completely understand that reaction to it I'm just not like that I don't have Temper, it takes so much to push me over, so much. And I've never really been around people that have a fast, kind of quick temper. It scares me. I've never been around that before. And um, yeah, I'm very much a people pleaser. So the production would be like, do this, do this. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit ridiculous, but okay. That's just what I'm like. Whereas he'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, oh, so just he mostly spent his time arguing with production, not me. But the problem would be he would be yelling and screaming at production, throwing things. And I wasn't allowed to leave a room. And I would be scared. So it actually started triggering panic attacks for me because they wouldn't let me leave the room. Um, and I was, I was just scared. Like this guy's just going ballistic next to me, even though it wasn't
1: aimed at me. It was just really scary. So it's not even, not just that they didn't pair you with a person who you, you would feel safe with, but they weren't allowing you to feel safe during production as well by by leaving an unsafe situation. No, they weren't. So what sort of, where it really came to a head,
0: um, he gets hangry as, as well. So if he's and they're always moving, and they just don't get it. They use sleep deprivation, it's really intense. So it got to where I was carrying snacks in my handbag for him at all times. So he started getting really angry. I'm like, it's a muesli bag. He's like, I don't want you to fucking muesli bag. I'm like, no, no, do steady. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, like so. He was a little bit. Uh, ridiculous um ridiculous. So then it really all came to a head with, I don't know if you remember the scene with where we're doing canoeing where the crocodiles were. What you don't see, we've done about 15 crocodile related things before that one we'd done swimming in that tank with the the c3 tank we got fed the giant crocodile uh he loved that because he could get buoyant and i couldn't look like an idiot um we'd done so much crocodile stuff because he said he was scared of crocodiles i wrote down that i was scared of snakes because i'm not i knew that bit was going to be a twister but he wrote down he's scared of snakes and crocodiles so everything we did had to do with snakes and crocodiles right every yeah so Mm -hmm. it was days of him being pushed to his absolute limit like there were snakes on him he was terrified It was like it was I, f- I felt really bad for him so yeah that that scene where we were going to go kayaking um in the Catherine Gorge which is divinely beautiful um they have freshwater crocodiles which can't hurt you they literally eat, eat, eat insects so we were kind of having a joke around but it looked like I was taking the piss out of it and not being mm-hmm. sensitive but it was because we'd literally been through so much to this point yeah some things yeah. I had done well like the the thing with the croc in the box, I didn't do well in that. Some things he hadn't done well. So it was more of a joke than it seemed. But then we went out and um, he just kept the music production. It was it was 43 degree heat, so hot, and um, and we were in this boat for two and a half hours with him just screaming at music production. And I was just like, just do what we need to do so we can get out of this. Yeah. And I couldn't get out of the situation because I'm in a kayak with yeah. this dude
1: you're literally surrounded by
0: water. Exactly, and he was just screaming, screaming at production. I'm like, "Just stop and say what you need to so we so we can leave. Just stop." Um, so there's this bitch where I seem like I'm elevating my voice, and it sounds like there's one bit where I said, "Stop being a bitch," and I okay. said that actually to production, because oh, really? the producer was the producer was being quite rude to him, and I said to her, "Stop being a bitch," but they've used that so as if you look at it there's scenes where there's voiceovers where it's not focused on your yeah, mouth yeah 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 cut and splice things over so it looked like if I said you're being a little bitch that's awful but I didn't They they cut that in so um yeah it went for ages he was getting so frustrated so I was trying to calm him down using breathing techniques which I think you might have seen which made me crazy but it was just I was just trying I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to calm this man down it was just like a ball of rage and I didn't know how to Calm it down. So I was just trying anything. So I got him to calm down a bit. And he's like, This isn't how I deal with shit. And I'm like, That's fine. He's like, I get really angry. I've been taught in ang- in anger management to walk away. And I said, Oh, you've been to anger management before? He's like, Yeah, I, I had to because of court. And I said, What? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, um, I got arrested for assault and I had to do court-ordered anger management. And I'm like, What? <laughs> Uh, and i said to production i'm like what the fuck uh, like did you guys know this and they're like no we had no idea and he's like yeah i filled this out constantly on my application you guys totally know this wow and i'm like what we doing this ridiculous canoe and he's getting angry and i'm like well why didn't you tell me that and he's like i've told them i expected them to tell you that and he's like i'm not a bad person just because i got arrested and then started yelling at me and i'm like no, it's just at it hit a point it was 43 degrees i was so hot I was so stressed. I was so panicked. I honestly was thinking, I'm just going to jump in the water, swim through these crocodiles and go back. Like it was that kind of level. So they finally let us leave and um, he threw his mic pack against the wall, stormed off, and then they they wouldn't let me leave. And I'm so much more complacent, which is why I'm often doing speaking to camera more than others are because he would just walk off, whereas I was just like, okay. Um, They stood me on an ant's nest and then interviewed me. Oh, my God. Like intentionally? Intentionally. I tried to move and they're like, no, no, it's perfect for the shot. I'm like, they're biting me and they're like, it'll be good for you. So in that that scene where I'm really hot, my hair is everywhere, I've got a – A life jacket on and I just look pissed off and angry, I have been in the heat for three hours being screamed at by this guy, just found out that he's been arrested and convicted of assault and they've got me standing on a fucking ant's nest.
1: (laughs) Is that a bit of a snippet of how much the producers really manufacture what happens on the show? Because it sounds like you had absolutely no control over what was happening there and neither did uh, Jono really? No,
0: it's, um, you have no control. People say they can't make you say things. They can. So the way that it works, when they interview you, they will ask you a question and you have to put that question into the answer because otherwise it doesn't make sense. So mm. if you, so if you ask me a random question, just ask me a question. I'll show you.
1: What's your favorite color? You can't
0: use blue. That makes no sense. So I just have to say my favorite color is blue. So whatever you ask me, I have to put that into the answer and then they can frankabate me saying that so that's what happened with Jono that bit where he said she's not what I ordered they asked me that too and they said is he what you ordered and I said I didn't I don't I said I don't know because I didn't know and he said she's not what I ordered because he had to put the question in the answer
1: right yeah so it makes it sounds like he's treating you like you're an order but they've asked that question
0: honestly like he I'm initially wasn't his type that's fine there's also a bit at the wedding where he goes ah shit and it looks like he's just seen me but that's not it my friends were all there he, they said she's pulling up now, and he went, "Ah, shit! Like it's really happening." So it's all twisted like that, yeah.
1: and they've all just cut it so, to a narrative that suits them
0: exactly. I mean, the things that he was that really went looked bad for him on the show. First of all, mostly didn't happen. The things that he said that actually happened was so much worse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the that's the way they sort of frak and, and edit it. It's so so edited.
1: And you know, I don't. I don't want you to have to go through a lot of the trauma of the show. But you and and Jono, you didn't make it through to the end. But you got how many weeks were you actually on the show for? Three and a half weeks. Three. So, still a long time with one person.
0: And back then, the way it was done, um, we actually filmed in my home, it was my house. So um, he was in my my safe space, um, and they pay. They don't pay you anything. Um, So they didn't put any money towards the rent, nothing.
1: And that's why, because that's changed since later seasons where everyone sort of quits their jobs to be on the show. But in this, in season two, like, I can't remember who it was, had to keep going to work back in Melbourne from Sydney, et cetera. Yeah,
0: yeah, we all had to work full time. So I was lucky. I was working for a software company. I was working from home. Uh, But Jono had to go and work at his pool job all day. And we were being, like, honestly, we were getting no sleep. It was just horrendous so we're in my house and it just kept getting worse and worse he was just getting angrier and angrier and yelling at production and they were just triggering me on things I was just panicking all the time my stress was ridiculous they wouldn't let us sleep like they'd make us do things like clean our teeth 12 times like they just make you do things over and over and over and next thing it's three get the shot yeah and then they want you up at 5am and then they just drill you and drill you. it's just it's 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 torture
1: yeah, so exactly torture. it is torture,
0: and um, yeah, and you have no the ex the psychologists that they were known then. I never met them until after I was matched. Yeah, I had one one uh, sit down meeting which was filmed with John Anton but apart from that, never spoke to him. Anything
1: they don't match you, the producers do. So what what did the psychologists at you know at the time experts on this show uh, on this season? What did they actually? do um with the contestants that that you could tell. Like you sat down with John Aiken. Yes, so we flew to Sydney after I was
0: matched and already going to be on the show um, and filmed to John aiken So if you see those other people that are walking up to interview with him, they're just other people in the office.
1: So what what was that conversation like with John Aiken? And, and you know, I, I, I'm i aware that he's still a registered psychologist, so we might edit this bit out so I don't get fired. But anyway.
0: It's fine, go for it. Like he's welcome to come at me. Um uh, so I'm the reason they're now experts. I almost had him lose his license of being on this job, so i'll go into that in a minute um just basic questions he was just not really asking much and would ask you the same question like four different times to make you get different responses kind of doctor the way you respond things it kind of went for about two hours but it was very doctored it wasn't really like a psychologist sitting down and asking how you are or anything like that it was like please repeat this sentence please do this so that's how that was um mel came to my house um right before the wedding came through and you had to show her different things and be like, oh, this is my shoe cupboard or this is my dog. Was it
1: really just for the, for the camera? Completely for the camera. Yeah, we didn't meet.
0: We didn't get off camera ever. And Trish, the lady where they stick electrodes to your head and do all that stuff,
1: that didn't happen. I never met her. That was, that was one of my questions too because they always show them in a lab and they're looking through pictures and they're doing little tests and stuff and I'm always like, does that really happen or is that? No. So for Xavier
0: show? just was shot. Um, he looked like he was having electrodes on his head. It was actually iPhone headphones where they'd cut off the, the nubbers and they just stuck it on his head. If you look oh at when Trish is in her her special doctor coat and like randomly pouring things, that like different coloured things and whatever, it, she's got her name. Trish written with a love heart over the eye in felt marker across her pen, across her jacket. That's how. She's such a special doctor. Like, I, ne- I never met her. Don't know her for a but never spoken to her.
1: Did you do a pheromone test where you sniff different?
0: No. So that we didn't did have happen? To submit a, a, we had to wear a T-shirt for 24 hours and submit it, but nah, You didn't
1: nah. sniff any just, It just didn't happen.
0: So we were matched by production and then you go through the show of doing it with the experts, but it's all bullshit. It's not-
1: they really have nothing to do with, with matching at all. Yeah as suspected. I
0: mean, <laughs> what they're doing is appalling. Uh, putting your name to something like that, that is so dangerous. Yeah. It's just not on, which is why after my experience when things got quite bad, I actually reported John Aiken to um, the psychology board. Uh, he had to have a like sit down review. He nearly lost his license. And that's why they're all now, they're not allowed to call themselves psychologists on the show. If he did do that, he would lose his license. That was that I got so that's why they're now put experts
1: that's because of me <laughs> well thank you so much because like that that is a huge step that you were able to get that happen to me though if because I'm yeah. a registered psychologist and if I, if I was to put my name to a show where they put people through unsafe situations pretty much torturous yeah. conditions definitely torturous conditions and manipulate people yeah. to get drama I don't know how I could justify doing that, even if I don't in the show say I'm an yeah. I'm a psychologist. To me, yeah. you're registered, you have an ethical code, you shouldn't you shouldn't be putting your name to that in any no, capacity. But some people just want fame and money, so yes, yes, absolutely. Which is not why you get into psychology, but no, whatever. Um, yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> that's that's their problem. So yeah, the issue started pretty much straight away, and then we just we get in arguments because. Uh, there was the argument on the beach where it'd be very rare that I would actually stand up for myself and put my foot down. And when I would, I was really encouraged by my female producer. We had a male producer and a female producer. The female producer worked on me most of the time because I would just totally be manipulated by her. Um, And she was lovely, but that's – that's my fault. That's her job. So I don't have an issue with her. She's good at it. Um, so, yeah, she said to me, You've got to stand up for yourself. So, when we were at the beach, that was like one of the only times I did stand up for myself. And I'm like, Having these tantrums every day. And he's like, Every day?
1: You're making that up.
0: And I'm like, It's been every day. And it looked like I was the one picking fights for no reason because I hadn't shown any of the tantrums because they were so full on. Like, I'm not talking like, I'm. Like I'm talking throwing things in production, screaming, yelling, storming off, slamming doors, like really full-on stuff. None of that was shown wow. at yep. all. So it just looked like I was being crazy over nothing.
1: Which is interesting that they were willing to make you yeah. look crazy but weren't willing to show Jono's genuine behaviour. No,
0: because that would set them up for more liability if they showed his actual behaviour. So it kept escalating, kept escalating and it hit a point where an incident occurred with Jono that I won't go into um, but from that incident I was like I'm done that's it I'm done and he left um, Channel 9 wouldn't change my locks I had to pay for that myself because he still had a key to my house so I had to pay $400 to have the locks changed and then I was like right I'm done and they said to me no we have to have a breakup film or none of this is going to make sense because we can't screen what occurred um, it's just not going to make sense And I'm like, well, I'm not filming anything. Like, not going to happen. He scares the crap out of me. It's not going to happen. And I imagine he was probably the same. And so they said to me, if you don't do it, we'll sue you as per your contract. You have to do it. And I don't have a lawyer. I just, I was scared by that. I don't have a lot of money. They're like, we will sue you and we will make your life a misery. So we had to go up to the retreat. This is where the retreat was. And we both went up separately. And the thing was, we were to break up. That was the whole thing. Do it, Film a breakup. They promised me I wouldn't have to go to the dinner then. He's like, just film the breakup. And then you can go home. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I can suck it up for another two hours and just film a fake breakup. That's fine. I can do it. I can do it. So I arrived. He was already there. You can see it's quite an awkward, like, hey, hey, do it. It's a bit of an awkward moment. We both just look uncomfortable. We go outside to film our breakup he said some things I said some things that were to be used and then he was just being a complete dick and saying some absolutely horrendous stuff um my sister had cerebral palsy he was saying things like "your retarded retard sister she's a piece of shit she's not worth anything in our society you should we should just kill people with disabilities off they're a waste of space and like there's a few things that trigger me but that triggered me and if you look at that scene my eyes yeah. are bright green <laughs> and I don't have green eyes gray they're bright green I was that angry and um yeah, because my sister, she does have cerebral palsy. She's got a uni degree. She can't hold a pen, but she went through that and she's got a university degree. Don't talk shit yeah. about her. Go fuck yourself. So that's when I lost my shit at him too. And then we're like, "Yep, yeah, we're done." And then I left, and I'm bawling my eyes out because I just want to go home. And they told me, "No, you now have to do the dinner party." Jesus Christ!
1: When was the dinner party after that? How long ago? How long after?
0: Ah, uh, three hours. Oh God!
1: You don't even have time to like decompress. No. So what
0: happened was uh, I was crying. That's why I was crying. It looked like. I was crying over him. I wasn't. Um, then I walked, it was with the Blue Mountains. I went up this rock to get away from production. I, like, climbed up a rock, and uh, this little mini cliff thing, and I was sitting up there and I just, this is what I completely, I was having a massive meltdown panic attack. I couldn't breathe. And this random mountain man came <laughs> wandering by and he came and sat next to me. And I'm like, and he's like, all these people are filming, eh? I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, you don't feel happy. I'm like, I'm not. And there, there's, uh, it's very much like, have you watched Unreal? I've watched, I think, season one and two. Yeah, it's very much like season one. Of my so I had the executive producer and the producers down the bottom of this giant rock screaming at me to come down. I'm like, I'm not coming down. And we like, let down here now. And I'm like, no. And then the mountain man's like, he's like, uh, do you want something to come down? I'm like, yes. He's like, well, I've got a blunt with me. And I'm like, I don't, I've do never smoked weed in my life. And I was like, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sitting on this random mountain thing with this good taking a puff, and they're like, Claire, you better not be smoking weed. And I'm like, Ah! <laughs> <And I'm, laughs> you can't tell me what to do. Honestly, oh. I'm such a nerd. That's the first time I ever smoked weed in my life, which is hilarious.
1: Did it help you come down? It did.
0: Really good. <laughs> um, anyway, then I threw my shoe at production which I massively missed because I can't throw. Then one of them came up, grabbed me by the leg and pulled me down from the rock.
1: <laughs> and I was still having oh, wow. panic attacks, but they made me do it. So they gave me six Valium. Oh. And are you someone who takes Valium usually? I do for panic attacks, but not six. Mm. Not six. No, six is a lot. But because
0: I was in such a panic, I didn't really know what was going on, if that makes sense. They were like, take this and gave me six. And then I took it and they're like, yeah, that's Valium. That'll calm me down. And I was like, that was a lot of them. Um, so it was my prescription because – production had my scripts that's how it worked just so my do they
1: have a nurse on set or anything like that anyone medical no nothing like that um so and then I had to go to this dinner and then they free poured
0: me booze I don't remember most of the dinner party um I made a complete of myself I said the most embarrassing things I just like I was, at this one point I'm like going to some sexual thing which I'm not sexual at all it's, just, it's the most embarrassing thing I don't remember it like I'll be honest I was if you look at my eyes I look so blazed over I'm just, I'm not there.
1: To be fair, I think there's been worse dinner parties since, many, many worse ones since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was awful to watch that being going around.
0: It's international where that fucked up that I didn't even know what was going on.
1: And not, not that you asked to be um under that influence so much as no, well I mean which is which is a violation really yeah
0: I mean two parts of mountain man weed that was my decision
1: <laughs> um, and I don't regret <laughs> that, that wouldn't have contributed to everything else though I don't know I think that kind of helped me for a bit of an hour and a half yeah it's just it was
0: really fucked and um they told me that I would have a completely separate room after I'd filmed the breakup with him as well when I arrived they hadn't got me a separate room they wanted us to sleep in the same room together and I'm like no I'm not doing that so like well, we don't have anywhere to put you and I'm like, fine, I'll sleep in a car. I'm like, I don't care. They're like, no, 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 you just need to sleep. He's like, there's different bedrooms in that in the apartment where he is. I'm like, I'm not staying with him. Like, no. And in the end, they put me in with production. I'm in this tiny single bed with a pillow, because I sort of cuddle pillows when I sleep. And um it's sort of the scene it looks like someone else was in the bed with me it was just a pillow I'm like sobbing in this tiny single bed and he has this amazing room and that's that's why because they didn't even get me a spare room which they
1: promised me that's they would do just, just so fucked that their, their lack of respect of your needs and feeling safe is is appalling
0: massive breach of duty of care
1: massive Going back to the dinner party too, my other real concern about the show is how much they use alcohol and and how much the guests are sort of encouraged to get, well, it looks like they're encouraged to get as drunk as possible and not just on these shows too, like Bachelor and stuff like that, which I have huge concerns over, particularly that there's health professionals attached to the show. Was that an expectation? At all in season two because there's only one dinner party, but were, were other people getting free pours? As yeah, well? everyone
0: free poured. Is how it is. So you couldn't you couldn't have the booze on the table and control it yourself. They just kept free pouring it. So like my drink was never empty. It was just constantly being filled up so that it wouldn't look like it was going down and then back up again, down and then back up again. On. Camera for content.
1: So it looked like you were You were just sitting on it. Yeah,
0: exactly. So they just kept it up like that. And during the shows filming in general, uh, I don't cook. It's a bit of a joke on the show because I, I still don't. Um, so, but John, I did. And, but like, I used to love a glass of wine with dinner. So they would always buy me wine and then be like, now pull your glass of wine for dinner. So I'll be like, this is me cooking and have a glass of wine. So, and then they'd be like, we need to reshoot that. They'd get me another glass of wine. We need to reshoot that. So I, to be honest, like, some nights I'd be drinking almost a
1: bottle because they
0: kept reshooting it and re- reshooting it. So,
1: and there was no like, oh, we can just look like it's wine. No. It? Like we'll just put water in it or something. No. And I did
0: actually say to them, because there was still some non-alcoholic grape juices and stuff like that. And they're like, no, 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 no. It needs to look authentic. I'm like, okay.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. So like, there's no doubt that that would be to see if you know any drama came of, being inebriated as well which I absolutely believe happens in the later seasons as well oh
0: absolutely and I've spoken to heaps of people who've done not only maths but um because once you sort of get into this world um you sort of make a whole bunch of different friends in, in the industry uh and I know a lot of people have had extremely tough times afterwards I've because mm. I've been so outspoken about maths and about the reason I am outspoken about it some people are like oh you're doing this because you want your 15 minutes of fame extended or you want attention etc like that it's not if I could do this and be completely anonymous, I would be so much happier. I hate doing this. But the reason I do it is because I'm trying to stop other people from getting into the same situation that I got into. Other people on masks can't speak out because the contracts are extremely mm, tight, mm. and they will threaten to sue you. And they're
1: quite long contracts, aren't they? Like yeah. after two years or three years, they can't say anything. Yeah, And
0: they're really intense. Like you can't say anything. But because of the incident that occurred with me that I'm not going to go into details with... I have that over Channel Nine. I can say whatever I want because if I take that to court, they're screwed. So for that yeah. reason, that's why I'm the one that's able to speak out. So I have lots and lots of mass people who contact me and they say, "Can you speak out about this? Can you speak out about this?" Because they can't do it. So that's why, like, I don't. I'm not doing this for attention. It's been a long time. I kind of want to leave that in the past, but I. Every time I see this, I think someone's going to die, and I'm just I'm waiting because it was nearly me, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking someone's going to die, and I just don't. I can't sit back. I just let that happen. I need to do
1: something to help. And it's it's really disappointing that you're the only sort of person who can say this yeah. and is also choosing to say this because I'm sure there are people whose contracts are finished, I'm thinking like NASA, and choose to be yeah. a troll rather or, or get the fame and yeah. accolades rather than or be, you know, um, controversial rather than actually help.
0: Exactly. And look, there are people that are in it for fame. NASA, I do not know that, man. Um, I didn't think about the fame side of things, it was just an adventure, which was probably my ADHD impulsivity. I didn't really think about it. I didn't really think about that everyone was going to see. I don't know, very stupid, but I just didn't really think about it. Like the idea of people recognising me on the street, I hadn't thought that far ahead. But also you didn't know how
1: far this show was going to go as well. Like it was pretty early days. Like the first season was pretty small, so I didn't think anyone was really going to watch it, to be honest.
0: No idea it was going to be so big.
1: But yeah, I mean, there's
0: there's some people that have had some pretty horrible stuff happen to them on MAFS that could speak out, but they're so traumatized they can't.
1: I know. T- yeah, which are, is fair too. They don't. Yeah, I know. There's t- no exp- expectation on them. I
0: know two people that have been uh, sexually assaulted by their partners on MAFS and have then left the show, but been edited out as, as, as the villains. So no one would believe them if they were to speak out. And it's it's pretty horrific what they cover up.
1: To yeah. be honest. I'm- Almost disappointed that I'm not surprised by that mm. because the power that they have over changing the narrative and that media yeah. have of taking taking that narrative and going with it and then what the audience perceives is huge. And I think you're right. I think there's real danger there of someone getting hurt to the point of no return. Exactly. And I mean, for me, like if the show
0: ended, uh, I was so retriggered. My PTSD was it was so retriggering. It was worse than it was back then. I was completely triggered by everything. I stopped leaving my house. Um, I was just terrified of everything. Uh, when I would leave the house, people would initially, well, before it was showing, um, I was starting to get a bit better and then it started to air. And then when it came to air, people were really positive with me in public, which was great and one was abusing me, but that was really overwhelming as well because people would recognise me and for some reason people think if you're in the public eye, they own your body. So people would just grab me for photos and just grab me and pull me over and grab me over here and it was – like just grab me and put their arms around me and just take a photo. And because I'm polite and I don't want to disappoint anyone, I'd smile and be like, oh, hey, so lovely to meet you. And I was terrified. Um, and... So like it would happen all the time. There's no safe space for you outside. No, no, that's right. So once I was in Coles and a lady um, did that, and I was of course very nice and smiley and said, "Hey, it's so great to meet you." She's like, "Can you record something for my daughter?" I'm like, "Hey, whatever her name was, it's Sailor. So I met your mom. She's my..." Walked around the back and I, I had a complete uh, panic attack at the back of the bananas. <laughs> um, the staff had to come get me because I couldn't breathe. I was just sitting on the floor. I, I couldn't breathe. It just it was triggering me and triggering me. So I just stopped leaving the
1: house. Did you watch the season when it was being aired?
0: Yeah. Um, it was horrific. It was like, you sort of start, you're like, oh my God, that's me on TV. And then you're like, oh, hey Like, to be honest, the first season with the wedding, that was completely my personality. Even the embarrassing parts, like maybe a crazy dog person, me saying all this dumb stuff. I'm like, that's dumb, but that's me. There's like a bit where I was like, oh, I'm so Cinderella right now. And then I just boot this dog toy out the way with my foot and then try to shove my foot in this fancy shoe. <laughs> well, I love that bit. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah, that's embarrassing, but that is me, unfortunately. But then from season, episode two on, things started to be twisted and I was like hang on this isn't what happened and it was all twisted and mm. for it I was like oh shit so I knew it was going to be bad because of what had happened but I didn't know that I was going to be twisted that way as well because you always think you everyone thinks they're a good person so it's not gonna to happen to you you're a good person mm. it won't happen to you yeah
1: I won't get the villain edit, No, they'll love me exactly
0: yeah. so everyone goes into it like that and then that's what happens so um after that after it screened I got really really quite mentally unwell I I, I just couldn't cope to be honest it just the the online harassment was just never ending. We were given no support. We were told that we could call this psychologist during the show as well and that they would help us. But I called him once and gave him some information that I hadn't told anyone else and it went straight back to production and production used that, asked me a question oh like that. Oh, my God. And I'm like, he's feeding this back to production because I'm like, I've not told anyone that so I know he's
1: feeding So a registered psychologist that was set up to help you instead of helping you used that against you. That's the same
0: as on Unreal. That's what happened. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm not talking to him anymore. That's obviously bullshit. No, so I did. of course not. Exactly. And then after the show, they say you give you psychological support. You get nothing. They give you no media training, nothing. You're just on your own. Good luck. As soon as you finish, they pack up all this shit, they leave, and they wish you well. That's it.
1: They're just gone. So there's absolutely no accountability for the impact that the show has had on you or what happens after the show. Um, Did they give you access to contact like um, crisis lines, like Lifeline or Beyond Blue and things like that while you're on the show? They'll
0: tell you to get professional help, but that's it. But at the time, I stopped working because I was mentally – I was I was a mess. I I've, I've never been that bad. Uh, I just didn't get out of bed. Um, I gained a lot of weight. Um, I was drinking quite a bit as well. Um, just, I just didn't want to be present. I just wanted to disassociate and not be there. Um, so I stopped working. I was literally in bed for months. It got so bad that um, I reached out to them multiple times, and they just ignore me or shut me down. And then, actually, I've got the emails here because I pulled them up just for this chat. I emailed them, and I just said, um, "I'm not coping," and that's what I said. Um, I'm not coping with this at all. Uh, I need help. Can someone help me? I'm not coping. And They wrote back, um, "Yes, as as we've said before, um, you're welcome to contact Lifeline <laughs> or something like that." And I wrote back, "I'm not coping." because one of the other contestants from season one had had a bit of a go on me online and everyone was sort of then attacking me it was just a massive pile on all at once something that wasn't true and um it just it was just massive and just so on on top of me and people say you know social media just turn it off but I couldn't and I don't know why I read every comment every comment on every Daily Mail article and every Daily Mail comment section is basically the cesspool of humanity you don't take that seriously that's Awful, horrible people. Like you, you could put on. It could be a Daily Mail story about a puppy saving a baby and then giving an old woman ten thousand dollars, and those comments would still be heinous. It's just that's how how it is. But at the time, I didn't really realize that. and I was just taking everything on. I was just I couldn't handle it. And it got to a point where I said, "I need help. I need you to help me. Help me." And I just said, "Help me. Help me." And they said, "We suggest you get professional help." I said, "I can't afford it." And they wrote, "That's not really our issue." And then that night, I made an attempt on my life. So I got pretty serious for there um and the thing that sucks about that obviously that whole thing sucks scared get the shit out of my parents um is now I've got scars all over my wrist so even though the show was seven years ago now I'll always wear scars from that show
1: it's um absolutely appalling that there's no responsibility on them for how that has it, because of course you're not given any if if indeed you didn't get any media training how are you to know how to deal with the the public world afterwards you don't and to support yourself no one it's such an unusual situation for anyone to be in exactly it's completely unnatural and you just you're not prepared you just you think even if you think you are and
0: even if you think oh I'd be able to handle that you don't know until you're in it like I've always thought I wouldn't read the comments I don't know why I did I just I couldn't stop I couldn't stop and now I don't care people write the most crazy shit about me I think is hilarious I do not care because I now know that comments from people positive and negative are both bullshit they don't know me so the ones that are positive mean just as much as the ones that are negative so that's something I because now I speak to a lot of people that are coming off reality tv shows I've somehow become the person to talk to (laughs) so whenever reality tv shows uh, stops filming I get like a bunch of blue tickers in my inbox saying I need some help here. And I'll just help them out. I know six people in Melbourne alone who've been on reality TV, who've made attempts on their life. That's why I keep speaking out because it's going to happen. I just, I don't want it to happen. I, I feel us getting towards that. It's happened in the UK. What's going to happen here is it's going to happen. They're going to put up a pathetic black screen for 30 seconds and say, in memory of whoever's died, and then on they're going to go because that money is too good and they don't care. So for me, it's 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 like we've got the colosseum in back in roman times and it's you know the lions versus the christians and everyone's up there and we look at that and we think that's barbaric but that's what people are doing they're sitting in their houses and they're watching a blood
1: sport and they're so entertained it's worth it it's worth that person's life because it's entertaining does that um are you happy to give that support to the other reality stars or does it get a little bit too much on your plate as well because i can imagine that would be almost re-traumatising at times?
0: Um, it gets a bit overwhelming when it's maths, people, because uh, every season that starts after maths,
1: I'm all right now,
0: but probably for the first three, four or five years. You know how the advertising for maths is everywhere? So it's not like you just turn off Channel 9 and you don't see an ad. It's on buses. It's on trams. It's it's everywhere. And I'm in an inner-city a area. There's billboards everywhere. It's like your trauma is stalking you. It's horrible. So when that happens and then the people come to me as well back in the day, it used to be a bit overwhelming because I was trying to deal with keeping myself calm as well um now I've got the coping mechanisms I don't get so stressed when I see those things anymore I'm it's fine um but I don't mind helping people out sometimes it does get a bit much and I try to sort of feed them back towards professional help but sometimes they just need someone to talk to who's been through it don't know unless you've been through it
1: yeah absolutely after that pretty awful day um. What, what, did, what helped you sort of get back, uh, get your life sort of back together after that experience?
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a weird thing because you know when you have really sort of traumatic or crazy things, you just don't really remember stuff. Yeah. So I don't really remember what happened. You're in sort of survival mode. Yeah, I know um, a friend of mine that I lived with came home and found me. So she was there. She called my parents. I don't remember any of this. Um, Apparently, I was making jokes and stuff with the ambulance, which is very on brand for me (laughs) when I'm stressful. I was like trying to crack them up, and they're like, You're like bleeding everywhere. Stop trying to make us laugh. Um, And then I don't really remember what happened after that. Apparently, my mom came. I don't know. Apparently, they took me to my mom's. Don't remember. Uh, But then my parents paid $30,000 to send me to a private mental health facility where I could take Dutchie. So she got to come with me, which was good. Yeah. So I spent a month there, cost my parents $35,000 and they're not rich people. It put them in debt. Obviously no help from channel nine. They didn't care. So my parents contacted them and said, this is what's happened. This is the email train. We've got her begging for help. And you say, no, some of this liability is on you. And they said, no, she signed the contract. She's signed her life away, literally. So, and that's, that's what saved me. And then from there, I've just been putting in the work and, and now I'm probably like I'm so stable I know no feeling is final I'll never get to that point again ever and that's how I'm sort of able to talk people through it who are in that kind of space to break them out of it but I'm not a psychologist obviously so it's just hard they don't usually want to talk they just want to send you Instagram messages to feel validated um, and it's yeah it's tough it's tough
1: do you have some sort of sense of boundaries or you know when to be like I have to say no to this like can you say no um, I do now.
0: I didn't back then. Um, yeah, I didn't back then. And it used to really drain me a bit, but I, I do. I do now. Um, but at the same time, like this little group of survivors who have kind of sounds lame to say survivors or something that you've put yourself in the situation. But though it's traumatic. It is, yeah, it's not. For, it's not traumatic for everyone. Some people have had really good experiences and don't have anything negative to say about it. Especially the couples who literally have been set up for success. Um, they have good things to say about it. Or the people who wanted to get famous they're quite happy with the fame. That's what they wanted. I don't understand that. I hate people recognizing me. I hate it. Like if I could choose a superpower, it would be invisibility. I would just love to be invisible. I hate it. Um, every time the Daily Mail writes a story on me, even now, my alert goes off and just like my heart falls out my ass. I just, I'm like, no, <laughs> I thought you guys had forgotten about me. No. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, I, re- I really hate that. Some people love it. So just depends on who you are and what's important to you. But if you're someone who's not hasn't done a lot of therapy and doesn't know how to cope with things it's it'll break you did
1: did it um affect how you saw mental health professionals or psychologists as well given you had so many negative experiences with people who were registered psychologists
0: no because they weren't they weren't really they weren't helping me like they weren't involved with what I was doing like the psychologists for the show were fake I never like they were irrelevant they didn't check like they they were just there for the camera they were just they were acting. The psychologist who fed things back to the staff, uh, to the crew, I only spoke to him once and I literally put that red herring in just to check. Um, and it happened immediately. And then when I said to production, I know that he's telling you and feeding you this information back, they're like, no, he's not. You're crazy. I'm like, no, like, don't gaslight me. I know. Yeah. I know. And, um, yeah, so they then did a press release saying that everything I said was untrue. Um, also, with future seasons, they had this letter that would circulate through the different new cast members when they were coming on, telling them specifically not to talk to me, um, that I was a liar, that I was making everything up, et cetera, et cetera. It's a whole big letter. Um, I could sue them for defamation, but I just don't have the money and can't be asked. But um, the people, once they see, like the other contestants, once they would see what would happening, they're like, screw this letter and they would reach out. But every season I'd be sent copies of this letter about me and every season they would take over their Instagram accounts and block everyone who's been on the show previously so that they can't reach out.
1: It's 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 abusive behaviour. Like it's isolating people from being able to have support or, you know, have anything that changes their perspective on what's going on for them. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it's just it's a psychologically abusive show. That's what they're doing. They're twisting and psychologically abusing people for other people's entertainment. I mean, and look at some of the other people that have been on. There's there's been other people on with criminal records.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On on many reality TV shows that are being screened. I want to ask one question too about um, the follow-up episode when they, they come back to the couples like I think it's three months on. Yeah. What was what was that experience like for you and where were you at then? Um, I was really
0: bad at that stage. You could see that I already gained quite a bit of weight. I don't really remember that episode to be honest.
1: Because I remember you saying positive things like that you didn't you didn't regret the experience and stuff and I was kind of thinking I bet she did. No
0: they, they make you say stuff like that so they'll make you do a couple takes and I just wanted it over so I would parrot what they said I was shocking I give Jono big props for that because he stood up for himself and he wouldn't say what he was parroted he told them to fuck off so I hope you don't mind me swearing <laughs> well,
1: I've been swearing a few times don't worry yeah
0: he would tell me to fuck off but I'm such a people pleaser I would do it which is to my own de- detriment it was a
1: stupid but you just wanted the whole experience to be over and just do what they wanted that's
0: right so whereas he would push back on it and I would I just want like everything I would just just wanted it to be over, so I'd be good And that's what I keep saying to him stop fighting just do it and then we can go and he'd be like no I'm not doing that and I'm like fuck we're gonna be here forever because they will then keep and make you keep doing the thing over and over and over and over and over and over and, over. and I'm like just say the freaking lines so we can go home <laughs> it's it that was on me so if you are a people-pleasing kind of person you're gonna get yourself in trouble
1: I and I saw your um interview with seven news about I think it was called Sunday the progress oh, Sunday, yeah that was fun How did you end up uh, speaking to them about it? Um,
0: Because I have been able to speak out against Married at First Sight a few times. uh, They contacted me and said, would you be interested in speaking out about it? I said, I don't really want to be on TV, but I kind of feel like people need to know. And I was like, but I don't really want to do it. And I'm like, I don't really want to get paid for it because that feels yuck. And they're like, but I'm like, but I don't want to do it unpaid.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So uh, in the end, they
0: came to the decision to send me uh, and my close girlfriends, instead of paying me to uh, Byron Bay for a week, all expenses paid car for all my friends so I'm like that's cool I'll do that um so yeah I just I wanted to get that story out obviously from Married at First Sight they couldn't get anyone else because they're under contract um I'd been speaking to Billy as well who was on, his was on that and he he was going through a really bad time I actually saw him when I was up in Byron um and he put me in touch with his mum and I put his mum in touch with Channel 7 so um that's how she got on there as well um mm-hmm. It was interesting that interview because Ben, who was on it as well, I know for Big Brother, um, he hated that interview and how it came across because he loved his experience on Big Brother, but it came across like he didn't. And he would really change that because he they chopped and changed it and edited it just as they can with anything. And I said to him, I'm like, come on, like, when you do this, it could go either way. He's like, yeah, no. He was really pissed off about it because he actually really enjoyed his experience, but they only picked up the negative things. Yeah,
1: I guess it wouldn't have suited the narrative that they wanted to portray. Of why it's a problem rather exactly. than a so good thing.
0: When he had a whinge about that, I was like, "What did you think was going to happen? Like, come on!" Um, yeah, so I did that. It was quite a good feeling just to have that out there, and I think it stopped a couple of people from watching the show, or at least made people feel a bit guilty about it. Because mm-hmm. um, it's still on
1: YouTube, and um, I got bored. Yeah, I got yeah. Got bored. A couple of. Weeks. I'm going to put it in the episode link. Yeah, so people and can I, watch it. Too. There's
0: heaps of comments on there as well, which I because I didn't realize it was on YouTube to like six months ago, and I was like, "Oh wow, there's heaps of comments." So um, I think it got through to a few people, but again, it was annoying because it re-elevated my face and I was more, I was back in the Daily Mail and I was back at, like when we were at the airport going to Byron Bay, everyone kept stopping me for photos and my friends were like, oh God, this is your nightmare. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but I'm better at it now. (laughs) You
1: know, I think there's a lot of people who are really happy that you did that and that you were able to get that message out. Yeah. Did uh, you hear anything from Nine or Endemol Shine after that interview was aired? No, like they, they know that, like, they're, they're screwed when it comes to me. They, they,
0: they're they screwed. If I happen to get a lawyer even now and take them, like, go legal,
1: they're screwed. You've got the receipts. They exactly. cannot. I really do have
0: the receipts. And, um, but I just, to be honest, I don't want to relive it. I don't want to go back through it. I just want to move forward. So I'm not doing that. I would prefer, plus if I do that and then take a payout or something, I can't speak out about it. And speak out about it and hopefully saving one person, totally worth it.
1: Yeah. Yep, definitely. So I guess for anyone considering going on to married at first sight, what what would you say to them? Obviously don't do
0: it. Um but if you if you really want to, um watch Unreal first, because um I hadn't that didn't exist when when I started so i hadn't watched it if you may watch the first season of unreal and you'll be like oh this is completely over the top and made up no it's exactly like that exactly to a t to the point that the first time i watched it i had to keep taking breaks because it's a bit triggering because it's exactly
1: yeah, like that yeah
0: exactly so if you watch that and you think oh yeah i could survive that it's up to you but go for it so sure you've got support around you i lost a lot of friends during this time a lot of friends i had people selling stories on me and things like that um which was heartbreaking for me um it really tightened down my friendship group. Um, it created problems with me getting jobs in the future. Professionally, I now go by a different name um, so that people can't Google me and it doesn't all come up. So um, it impacts uh, your life in a lot of different ways and know that you can, you may think you're one way, but you can be manipulated into anything they want you to be and they can make you say anything they want you to say. Literally, they could just cobble it together and you could say a whole sentence that you never said. So I would say to people when you're watching it as well, if you see uh, something being said and then mouth is not moving to say it, they probably say it's completely out of context. And sometimes they do just sort of chop things together as well and sometimes, as I said, they get you to answer the question with the uh, question in the answer. So they're being tricked into saying that because they may even cut it before they say the answer. So, for example, with that Jono question where he said, issue what you ordered, he might have said, yeah, she's exactly what I ordered, and he—they could have just cut it and said what I ordered, and then been like, "No, it's not what I, they could have completely copied that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They'll just make it. Yeah. regardless of what the actual answer is. Exactly,
0: exactly. So it's just a, yeah,
1: it was it was a nightmare. <laughs> I, and I think sometimes we catch it too. Like if there's a comment that's made in the first episode, and then it comes up in the later episode, you're like, uh, yeah. "Hang on." That sounds familiar. Exactly. So sometimes it's obvious, and sometimes they do a really good job of it, so you don't even notice.
0: Exactly. And I mean, um, the, I don't watch it because it upsets me, but everyone else does. So then everyone else talks around me about it around me, which I also hate. Which is why I like, like walking, working from home when mass is on. Cause it's all everyone in the office talks about. I hate it. Um, last year there was a girl that really got piled on, uh, Olivia, and she reached out to me. She wasn't well at all, and. Because I've seen what's happened. I saw how that was manipulated. So, for example, what I believe there's an OnlyFans photo and all that kind of stuff, the way that's manipulated is because what she was saying is you're not allowed OnlyFans. It wasn't that she was criticising her for having OnlyFans. You're not allowed to. So there's all these different things that are in the, the contract where they say you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have this, and they go through all of that so they know what you've got. And what they've done is they knew she had that, they've left it up, and then production sent uh, Olivia and whatever the other guy's name was, they sent her the account and the photo. She didn't go look for that. Then they got her to say that a friend sent it to her. It was production, so
1: which is another thing I suspected, but has just now been confirmed. Yeah,
0: and it's ruined her life. Like I don't know her, and she seems she seems like a girl that's really struggling to work out who she is. But she was getting no support as well. Um, when I see those bits, I think oh, it's exactly what's happened there. I think the other incident was um, the girl who's the hero of the show, I, I don't know her name, um, Dom something.
1: Um, oh, D- yeah, Dominic. Yeah,
0: the, the si- episode, the scene, I did see this particular scene where um, they were yelling at each other and uh, Dominica slammed a wine gun. That's scary. Like if, yeah, yeah. If you were at a dinner party and someone smashed a glass down on the grill, like that's terrifying. And then again, that's not allowed as per the contracts. So you think that's not going to happen and you're told if anything like that happens, that person will be removed so then when that doesn't happen you feel really let down because with me as well things would happen and and I was like but they you said if something like this occurred they would be immediately removed and they're like no no no, not now it's gonna be good for the show. we change our mind so I could see that that's what was happening with with Olivia she, she wasn't she was just like no no no. this isn't but you said that you're not allowed to do this and she probably said to, obviously this booze inspired I'm not on anyone's side I don't know if these
1: people and with the context that you've given of a grueling shoot, producers everywhere, it might have been, um, you know, no sleep, no food, etc. cetera, drunkest skunks, all of that context isn't really shown to see why it would have got to that point as well. So it wasn't all on Olivia and Dom. No, or, you know. exactly. And there's probably a whole bunch of other um, arguments. In fact, I know for that season there were a
0: huge amount of arguments that occurred apparently between Dom and Olivia's guy. I don't know um apparently they were arguing with each other the whole time and dom because i know this because she reached out to somebody that i know dom was quite concerned she was going to get a really really bad edit from from what had happened so she was really surprised with how it's fun and olivia completely didn't see it coming
1: so it's just up to what the producers decides going to get the most views and drama and exactly. money they
0: pick their person and that person's going to be the star and you're going to be the villain and and it's the same with all reality tv shows because i go to i'm a bit of like i love free stuff who doesn't so i do go to, <laughs> i do go to some influencer events which sounds super wanky but um i've got i've got two on tonight actually um i just like to go because it's free stuff they give you free yeah food um and i they let me because um i know i've been doing this for a while i know the people really well they let me take like eight of my friends so it means i can take like eight friends and they get free drinks i don't i don't drink anymore at all um but because i recognize that was a, a real problem for me not too much but just something that i was turning to in when i was bad in a bad time rather than sitting in sitting in my pain and dealing with my feelings. So I stopped drinking altogether. Um, and yeah, and but my friends all get into the free booze and they have an amazing night. So I've got 13 people coming to the two events tonight. That I like. But in those events, you do meet other influencers and other people who've been through these experiences. And sometimes the villains are exactly as they're shown on TV. They're complete pricks. I've met a few people that are just like, you're a dick. Sometimes the villains are the sweetest, most beautiful, lovely people. And the hero is an asshole. I've met quite a few like that where it flips around. So don't judge them on what you see on TV because they're sometimes so different. And I've met lots of people who on TV were villains and are just beautiful souls in real life.
1: Mm -hmm. I guess that's a good message to give people who are going to watch Married at First Sight, regardless of if they've heard this interview, um, is to not take everything that they see on the screen as as gospel no I think um I was talking to Angie Kent
0: actually uh Bachelorette Angie Kent Evie Jones who's friends with obviously from Gogglebox lives around the corner from me we've been friends for years so yeah um she's great her and her dogs and my dogs all hang out all the time um and we were saying she was saying wouldn't it wouldn't be great if we could do a show with what's on the cutting room floor and I'm like that would be genius So what about a show? you let the whole thing run and everyone has a, 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 opinions on the heroes the villains everything I said you wait a week and then you release a different version I'm like, that would be amazing. That would be amazing TV. Just to see how different. Yeah. So everybody'd be like, I love this person. They're my favorite. That person's an asshole. I'm gonna make them their lives a living hell online, which is horrendous, by the way. I have all these people the really funny thing, like so many of the troll comments, it was it cracked me up. You click on their website, their Instagram, and like always in the bio would be like, be kind. <laughs>
1: love and light (laughs) it was
0: always those people so like i get a message like you're a dumb slut i hope you get raped and die and i've got intense and i click on the profile and i'd be like love and light mother of three and i'm all about it was just like fucking hell like you know what you're doing you may be hiding behind a screen there's a real person that this is happening to it's not an active character it's a human it's a person and we don't have the training we don't have the support we're on our own and it's just overwhelming imagine if because if you've ever had one or two troll comments in your in your life imagine how that felt and you may think oh they'll get used to it and you do you do get used to it it takes you sort of shutting off part of your humanity it, it does it has because if you're someone who feels like I'm very empathic if you're someone who feels things like that it, it it breaks you
1: yeah yeah even if you can you develop some coping mechanisms it's still a lot of negativity that you have to deal with exactly
0: so yeah. like and i have i'm a bit of a tweet as well in that i have a very bad habit of speaking out speaking my mind on my actual instagram account because everyone else i know has a fake instagram account and they comment on stuff with that but i kind of own my stuff and i am just like say it on my other account and everyone's like you always comment on stuff you're always sticking your nose in stuff i'm like they're all doing it too they're just doing it under fake accounts i'm just owning my stuff they're like you just want fame i'm like i'm just commenting like you are jessica 389 like they like I'm like, you're commenting, I'm commenting, I'm just a person. So it's just, it's, it's weird. And when these people just attack you, you're like, wow, you would never do that to somebody in real life. And you don't know this person. Don't do it. it that could be the message that pushes them over the edge. Because for me, it was one final message and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I went downstairs and got knives. So you could be that one final straw that breaks that camel's back. And do you really want to be, sit with that? Do you want to sit with the fact that your comment could have killed somebody?
1: And I think um, it's a, an even worse world that li- we're living in. I mean, the internet was still full of trolls back in your season, but I feel like more and more people are online, particularly since COVID, so that it's just absolutely inescapable.
0: Remember that it's a human person that doesn't have support. They're, n- they're not media trained. They're not a celebrity that has slowly worked their way up and has a whole bunch of managers and press, all this sort of stuff. They're a human city. They haven't been paid money. People seem to think that people in maths are rich. They get paid 1200 bucks a week and they have to quit their jobs and then once that's over your career is probably going to be shot because that's what happened to me i had a very successful recruitment career and then after the show people like oh we don't want to be associated with you so so many people have lost their jobs some people get amazing opportunities like dom or lots of other people and martha who's pregnant i don't know her for a Soap, so but those they've made money from influencing um and things like that but so many others have just fallen off the face of the planet
1: um, anything else you'd like to say to any current viewers of Married at First Sight who are considering watching the next season? Um, if you must watch it, uh, watch it with a grain of salt. If you
0: believe everything you are fed and you believe the character that you are being fed, that's embarrassing for you. Um, and if you don't have enough critical thinking to be able to think beyond what you're being spoon-fed, um, you need to have a good hard look at yourself, to be honest. It's um, trash It's trash TV. It is a blood sport for our entertainment um, and you are watching someone's life implode and cheering that on. And personally, I personally wouldn't ever want to be someone that did that. Yeah, because it is. It's, it, it, I think there will be a reckoning for reality TV. It's coming. It's not regulated at the moment. Like the alcohol, they say they say all this stuff. It's not true. They say we, we don't give them alcohol. It's not true. They say we only give them one glass. They That's kind of true because they constantly report it's just
1: constantly topped exactly. up. Yeah. so
0: it's not true and like the fact that they gave me six valium it was my valium that i was prescribed but they gave it to me did i take it yes. because i wasn't really paying attention i didn't really know what was going on apparently evidently a bit stoned as well for the first time in my life <laughs> um and yeah it's, it's dangerous it's 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 really really dangerous yeah
1: yeah and it's it's you're in a, a controlled environment where you don't have autonomy which is abusive
0: it is and it's torturous there's sleep deprivation in particular is actual torture because you're so broken that you will just say anything. You just want to, you just say anything to make the sh- shoot stop because it's four in the morning and I have to go to work at six. Jono had to get up at 5 a.m. to drive all the way to go to, and they'd keep us up to four. And he's, he's working manual labor. He
1: was exhausted. That's dangerous too.
0: It is dangerous. So yeah, I, I, I hate the show. I hate it. I hate a lot of reality shows. There's some really good ones that I do enjoy, but I hate. A lot. Which ones do you watch? <laughs> Oh, look, I, I will admit, this is very embarrassing for me. I love Housewives. Um,
1: oh, okay. I haven't actually watched oh, it. Now I will.
0: <laughs> They've got the support systems. They're very well paid. They're fine. Apart, I, do, I do like Below Deck as well. <laughs> they're probably the shows that I like. But apart from that, I don't like Australian reality TV shows. I don't like things like Love Island or anything like that. I just think, especially when they're really young, like that's going to haunt them forever. Like imagine in your early 20s being put in a situation like that, fed alcohol, told this, twisted and turned. Because people think because they can't see their producers that they're not there. They're constantly there. You just don't see them. It's the same as like you may notice in in Love Island, the place is always clean, but you never see anyone cleaning. It's because they have cleaners that come in. Like there's so much you don't see. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't happen.
1: And if anyone who was watching Married at First Sight or any other reality TV are offended or triggered or um, particularly upset by anything that they watch, what would you suggest that they do is there any action they should take
0: yeah um you can write to channel nine but to wherever the, the, the network is they won't do anything um you can try to put things on social media if you do it on the channel nine pages or any pages run by the network they'll just delete, delete your comments but you can go into different groups and have conversations like that you can report it to there are some like tv media ombudsman but not um you can report it to that but again nothing comes of it because like last year there was a petition of like 100,000 people that were just trying to rip apart Olivia's Olivia's life but to say that it was a bad TV show. But, again, nothing happened. they just read the report and then don't do anything. So, really, you're better off just doing it more of a grass, grassroots thing, speaking your mind in, in smaller groups, trying to reach out to people that you can and just try to – if you change one or two or three minds, that's a couple of people. Like, it all, it all helps. And that's why, as I said to you before, that's why I'm doing things like this podcast. It's not because I want fame because I don't. At all. We're not a very big podcast, so you, you won't get much. Yeah, you say that, but you probably get picked up with the Daily Mail and then just be like, and then everyone will be like, that's stupid bitch, why won't you go away? And like oh, it's just, it's oh, so annoying. Oh God, I hope not. Well, watch, it's, it's, it's never ending. It's always like, it kind of makes me chuckle now. I'm like, and they always say stuff like reality TV star. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not a reality TV star. I'm like, when it comes to like, I'm not even a Z grade celebrity, I'm like, I'm in the punctuation. <laughs> So, and then if you go to the comments,
1: it's all like, oh, I think she's a star. And I'm like, (laughs) it's just, it's it's just. Which is another layer of what, you know, media portrays and what the actual reality is. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So uh, just, yeah, think about what you're watching. Think about if you are proud of the fact that you're watching that. And if you are going to write a nasty comment, really think about whether you would say that to someone's face. Um, And if you wouldn't, don't write it. And if you would, there's probably something wrong with you. (laughs) Um, but yeah, because if you wouldn't say to someone's face, don't write it hidden behind a, a
1: keyboard. And I think uh, one thing I'll just add is if, if you are generally triggered or upset by something, there's, um, I'll put all the lifeline uh, number, beyond blue, all the hotlines in and- the episode notes to contact which I think everyone's pretty aware of but you never know I've asked people oh, have you tried lifeline they'll be like what like, how did you not know about
0: lifeline yeah. but yeah lifeline's amazing I spent a bit of time on the phone to them in in the past when I couldn't afford it, actually and that's the other thing they keep saying um that we have ongoing support for the old cast members as well I read a news article about that six months ago we don't they say that there's a a, a number you can reach out to a psychologist that we can contact anytime that no, they won't give us the number I've got there's seven of us have been asking for the number because we're all on a group chat just just doing it because we know it's not going to happen. We think it's funny. So we're all requesting it they're like, oh, someone will get back to you today. None of us have got the number. It's an invisible number that doesn't exist. Very funny. We've got the email tra- trail to prove it. There's like seven of us on it asking for this number and they're like, oh, no, we'll get back to you. No, it doesn't exist.
1: And at least, you know, that is a positive thing that you've got each other in that sort of group. You, maybe you can set up your own reality star counseling service or something <laughs> to
0: be honest it's it's the problem is because we've all lost our jobs and we have no money like none of us have any money unless you're successful and actually go on to be an influencer and like really big we're broke
1: like people think mm. we're famous and happy. people think yeah we're broke. set
0: up like when i was afterwards I, had, I lost jobs i had no money i was living on i was on Centrelink. i had no money at all nothing and OnlyFans didn't exist then, and if it did, I'm too old and fat for that anyway. <laughs> no one wants to see boobs that are so low they can fit in your belt. So, like, everyone's sort of criticising people so much for going into OnlyFans. Like, what other choice did
1: they have? Yeah, and there's always someone who likes what you're putting down, so don't sell yourself short.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm not paying for everyone's counselling for to see my, my boobs around. <laughs>
1: Before you go, is, we kind of covered what you're up to at the moment. Is there anything else you want to add that, in terms of social media or what you're up to? I will actually. So,
0: um, after many, many years in the corporate world, I'm taking a bit of a break because I actually got long COVID last year and was in hospital for oh, months. Cool. It was awful. So, I had to resign from my job that I loved. It sucked. Um, but I'm taking a bit of a break as I recover from that. And I'm actually, I am a qualified dog behaviourist. So, I've just started doing some dog walking and dog behaviour training because uh, in the last 20 years, I've just been doing it with rescue dogs. Um, so, just but i'm actually charging now but everything i charge goes straight into the rescue account it doesn't come to me anyway um and i'm really doing it really cheaply because i just want to help people out because since covid everyone got a puppy and covid didn't train it that's a mess
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> So mm-hmm. uh,
0: i've been doing that for just 150 bucks in, in the melbourne local area just per session and um that's been super fun i've helped pizza of dogs with that. Um, if people think I'm a miracle worker, which is hilarious, I'm like, no, I just know what I'm doing. It's, it's pretty easy. Um, so I only have an Instagram account for that at the moment, but it's um, wildwood underscore dog training. So wildwood dog training is the dog training and my rescue organization that I run is Wildwood Animal Rescue. Again, we're just on Instagram at, my, at the moment. I'm meaning to set up websites, but I'm useless at that, kind of crap, so I haven't yet. <laughs> so if you are in the Melbourne Metro area and you have a dog causing you some issues, I can deal with dogs of all shapes and sizes and really any issues. So that's kind of my little passion. It's a lot of fun.
1: Brilliant. I'll put I'll put the links uh, to the Instagram account in the episode notes. Um, and if we ever get a dog, I'll be knocking on your door because <laughs> I'm sure we'll need some help. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Claire. I really appreciate your time. And I hope that may, even if one person reassesses their consumption of reality TV from this chat, then... I'll be, I'll be happy with that. It's lovely. Thank you so much for your time and hopefully it helps somebody. This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app. Stickers. 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 Stickers.